Hi, and welcome to the Golf Yourself Healthy podcast, where deep, meaningful, and philosophical conversations about golf and life are par for the course. I am your host, Chris Lynch. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our first ever full-length episode of the GYH podcast. Given that you're here listening, you may know this already, and I might be about to state the obvious, but I'm going to do it anyway. To subscribe to the podcast and be notified about future episode releases, please head over to our website, golfyourselfhealthy.com, where you can conveniently find links to some of the major podcast distribution platforms and a link taking you directly to the GYH podcast. So get over there, make sure you subscribe, and you can look forward to future episodes as and when they're released. Also on our website, you can find links to either Instagram or X, our accounts on Instagram or X where you can follow us and join our ever-growing community. And finally, on the contact tab of our website, you can provide your name and email address to subscribe to and receive future community newsletters and journal articles. Don't miss out on any of that. So head over to golfyourselfhealthy.com to get signed up. So what's in store for you in today's episode? This episode one. Well, we'll be building on what we've already shared in our trailer pre-launch episode by telling you more about Golf Yourself Healthy, what it stands for and what's in it for you in being part of this community. Before that though, I want to firstly tell you a little about myself, my introduction to and my life experiences with the beautiful game of golf. Leading on from there, I'd like to tell you the story of my late son Innes who is the inspiration behind the creation of Golf Yourself Healthy and who, at the time of this episode being released on Sunday the 18th of February 2024, today would have been his first birthday. So this is a really meaningful milestone for me, my family and the GYH community. Then to round out this episode, I'll give you a flavour of what's coming up in future episodes of the GYH podcast, when they will be released, and what you can do to support the growth of the pod and our efforts to invite and have conversations with inspiring people who are living healthy and happy lives through the power of golf. Let's talk firstly about the spirit of my game, my early experiences with golf, my introduction into golf, and how my relationship with golf has developed over the years. So. I'm born and raised in Aberdeen, Scotland, the northeast of Scotland. Scotland is, as a country, well regarded as being the birthplace of, of golf. And Aberdeen, as a city, can boast some world-class, internationally renowned golf courses. And so, given all of this, growing up in Aberdeen, I had an exposure to the game of golf from a young age. I had uh, knowledge of it and appreciation of it. However, I didn't consider golf a game that it certainly wasn't one of my favourite sports. I was more a football player, watcher, supporter, and tennis was probably the other sport in particular that I really enjoyed from a young age. And so my introduction to golf, I struggled to remember, to be honest, the very first time I played golf and who that was with. But certainly my early recollections of playing golf was when I'd been invited to play with friends and family who, in most cases, or this is how I remember it, they were people that had played it for a while, they knew the rules, and, I mean, I look back now, 
<laughs> I still believe to this day, having played it for quite a long time now, there are so many rules and I probably don't know even half of them off the top of my head or, or by heart. So I just felt like the people I played with growing up were people that knew the game well, uh, they were good at it, they just they all seemed to be inherently good at playing the game. And my early memories of golf was, I find it frustrating. I wanted or had expected to be able to walk onto a golf course, pick up a golf club, take a swing at it, for it to be relatively easy. But that was the total opposite of my experience. It was frustrating. I always felt like I was a burden on the people that I played with. Anyone listening to this who knows me well recall certainly in those early years of me playing golf, I was slow at it and took a lot of attempts to even get to the green if I ever did get to the green. And that was not really a nice experience for me and I doubt it was a particularly nice experience for them. And so, yeah, it was a difficult introduction to the game. But more than anything, what I've taken or a memory that has that is lasted with me from those times and give, you know, I'm 37 years old now and I'm talking maybe 20 plus years ago, I don't know, my early teens or something when I very first started trying golf. I remember from back then that golf didn't feel like a particularly inclusive or welcoming game to me. And I'm not sure that was so much the game itself. I guess I look back and I think it was more the environments and the cultures that I encountered when I went to golf clubs. Certainly where I grew up, a lot of the golf clubs, the clubhouses, the attitude of staff or of playing members, there was a lot of tradition around it. And it, it felt like, and my memory of it is, a lot of elitism. It very much felt like for you to be accepted and yeah, accepted into that environment, you had to play to a certain standard, you had to have a certain handicap, you had to dress in a certain way, you needed to come from a certain background, a certain wealth profile. I just never felt truly comfortable in those environments. And so I also look back and I think, and stuff that I've since worked on in, in therapy with counsellors and things over more recent years in my adult life is a lot of my childhood insecurities would come out in that environment. A lot of feelings of inadequacy, not being good enough. And so all things considered, not a particularly great introduction for golf to me. And looking back at then, it's a struggle for me to think how I've actually, how on earth have I become so addicted to the game now and love it so much, having come from a place of, of actually loathing it for a while. And I do remember saying to people, whether it was my dad or my friends, I was like, I hate this game. It's so annoying. It's so frustrating. I just can't ever see myself being a golfer. But anyway, more on that later, because fast forward to today, and I just can't get enough of golf. Hook it in my veins, please. So, but anyway, I think at this point, I should skip ahead a little bit and take you to the year 2013, 2014. I met my now wife, Kim, in Aberdeen. We got together and in a, in a within about a six-month period, ever so slightly more, maybe seven or eight months, we had just moved lightning speed in our relationship and made a decision to move to London in 2014 for the sake of our careers, better job opportunities, and also just to expand our horizon. Personally, I looked back then and I was ready to, to leave Aberdeen. And I actually feel like I needed someone like Kim to, that had that drive to go and be a go-getter and to, to take me on that journey with her. So we moved lock, stock and barrel to London in around July, I think it was 2014. And 
we both got jobs fairly quickly. I got a job working in in-house recruitment in banking, and I still work for that same company today, albeit I'm now on a career break for the next six months in order to, amongst other things, heal from losing my son, Innes, last year, which his story is going to be really important and central to this particular episode today, but also to get Golf Yourself Healthy off the ground and to grow it during these next number of months that I have on this career break, which I'm really grateful for. So I got this job in in-house recruitment in banking around about nine or 10 years ago, and a lot of my colleagues then were really into golf. And so I remember getting invited to go out and play play golf with them and really loved that. What I loved about it was actually it was a bit nerve wracking for me because again I'm thinking oh here we go again they're going to be uh, burdened by my slow playing and they're going to be better than me and all the rest of it but actually what I soon realized was there were a lot of guys that I played with who were of a similar playing ability to me and when I say you know of a similar ability not very good back then and so I found kindred spirits. I found people who didn't judge me for the way that I played or anything like that. Playing golf together was really just about, it was several things. It was camaraderie amongst friends, amongst colleagues. It was an opportunity to go and let off steam after a hard week of work. Uh, it was an enjoyment of the game. It was a, a friendly, competitive element. And as I look back, I think that's really where my appreciation for that form of golf and the game generally really grew and I started to enjoy it more and more. And I then remember, so the club or course I played at a lot back then was Richmond Park in the southwest of London and it was close to one of the closest golf courses to where I lived um, in Clapham in southwest London at the time. I have very fond memories of that golf course and of that golf club and is really so different to a lot of the really traditional stuffy ones that I mentioned earlier in this podcast that I'd experienced back in my in my hometown and um, what I loved about it was it's a very modern club the clubhouse is just quite it doesn't have any particular airs and graces about it it's got a more modern sleek kind of feel to it and it's more conducive just to a light-hearted and casual side to golf and also what I remember about that place was you would see a lot of golfers there who were quite new to the game or were infrequent golfers, casual golfers who would come down maybe once or twice a year in small groups or big groups. And it, it just had a real fun vibe to it while still respecting the traditions of the game and the rules of the game and all and all the rest of it. I ended up taking up membership there. And really why I did that was because it became one of my favorite hobbies and pastimes. And as I think and look back now, Playing golf then, I got an appreciation for doing it on my own and I got a lot of enjoyment out of doing it on my own, but then I did also enjoy playing with, with groups of guys and, and, and friends as well. And actually in time, what I found was my wife Kim got into it as well. We played together and then we would play with other couples who played golf and there were so many different ways in which I could enjoy golf all of a sudden. But I remember it being a really healthy pursuit for me. I look back and although... I formally had a diagnosis from a doctor of depression and anxiety in 2019, I think it was. I always knew, I had a feeling before then that I was struggling with, with anxiety and actually going out of an evening after having worked a long, hard day, especially in summertime when it's light until late, I would go out on my own, 
play maybe nine holes of golf and have the opportunity just to be free in my thinking, to be out in nature, in fresh air, and do something that I enjoy and take my mind off of the the stresses of that particular day. And I could, what I tended to find was going out playing golf at that time of day, of an evening or even on weekends sometimes, I would tend to go out when the course is quiet and I wouldn't really have too many interruptions or distractions. I could practice a certain shot type or you know, not feel judged or being watched by anyone. And, and that was a great space for me to be able to build confidence in the game and improve my game. But like I say, more than anything, I think one of my lasting memories of my golf at that time was finding a healthy pursuit that was helping me on a health and well-being level in particular. I got engaged to Kim in 2020 and uh, during lockdown and we were then delayed subsequently in getting married. We eventually got married in July 2022 on the absolutely beautiful Isle of Bute on the west coast of Scotland. And that wedding that we had was, it was delayed on, COVID had delayed it at least once or twice. And so when that event came around and to be able to have that kind of occasion with our friends and family around us and with everything that I'd personally been through that I've just told you about in the lead up to that, that was one of the happiest days of my life. Now, actually, let's inject a bit of a golfing context to this, that moment in my life as well. So when we were on the Isle of Butte to get married, we played a beautiful little nine hole golf course, Butte Golf Club, which if any of you ever get the chance to play it, I would strongly recommend it. It has Whilst it's not necessarily, it's not going to shoot the lights out or wow you in terms of course architecture or necessarily quality of the course itself, the setting that it is in view that it has over the the uh, neighbouring Isle of Arran is just quite breathtaking. And it is a quite a spiritual place, to be honest. And I've got such fond memories of playing golf there the day before our wedding with, I went out in a four ball with my best man and my groomsman. And then my wife went out with her uh, her maid of honour and the bridesmaids, uh, which included my sister-in-law. And it was just an awesome day. It was so fun and it was lovely. And it's just one of many very fond memories I have um, from life and in golf. Soon after getting married, Kim and I um, knew that we wanted to try and have a family. We wanted to try for a baby as soon as possible. And we became pregnant with our son Innes at the beginning of September 2022. And I was discussing this with uh, with Kim in, in, in lead up to recording this today. And it's funny because I said to her, my recollection in the early stages of pregnancy with Innes, really, you know, it was, it was quite hazy. I don't, what I do remember quite vividly and clearly were certain milestones that you have with like the scans, 12 week scan, 20 week scan. But she remembers quite vividly how I was on a work call on the 2nd of September 2022 when she came through after I just finished up this work call and, and showed me this, this positive test result. And yeah, it was a surprise. It was a very pleasant surprise. But if I look back on the early memories that I have of, of that pregnancy, most of them revolve around a honeymoon trip that we took. So we did a belated honeymoon to Florida, first of all, which is where my sister-in-law and niece and nephew live. So we went and spent some time there got some golfing, obviously, and then headed over to the Dominican Republic. And we made so many beautiful memories together, Kim and I, with Baby Bump. And we came back from that honeymoon trip and 
very soon after we came back, we had the 20 week scan. And so for anyone who has children already or is thinking of having children or just generally for for anyone that cares to know, the 20 week scan is the scan at which you can A, find out the gender of your baby should you wish to, and B, they seek or they're looking for any fetal abnormalities to check that the baby is in good health. And so I my recollection of that 20 week scan in our local hospital was first of all finding out that we were having a boy. And I look back now, there's certain things that I've learned that I've taken in regards to conception and pregnancy, other things that have kind of gone in one you know, one in one ear and out the other. But I remember saying to the sonographer who's doing the scan, I said, just out of curiosity, how is it that you confirm, you know, what, what the gender of the baby is? And she didn't say verbatim, but it more or less went, so, it went something like this. You see that penis you can see there? Well, that's pretty much everything that tells you everything you need to know. And I have to say, I have never been so happy to see a penis on the big screen in, in all my life. But the joy that I felt, the thought of having a boy of having a, a, a baby boy and all the possibilities that would go with that. I felt very proud. I felt tears forming in my eyes and I thought ahead. And I'd be lying to you now if I did not think about the possibility of my son and I playing golf together, about how far he would hit the ball. Oh, is he going to outdrive me and all these sorts of things. And, you know, that's a bit crazy thinking of stuff like that back then, because there was every chance that had he had the opportunity to play golf, then he might have absolutely hated it, much like I did in my introduction to it. And I often wonder, would he have hated it to the extent or would he have mocked it much like Robin Williams mocks golf in that famous comedy sketch, which if you have not seen that comedy sketch with Robin Williams where he talks about golf, you must go and watch it because it is extremely funny. And there are actually also some really interesting underlying messages in it around diversity and inclusion in golf. But anyway, at that 20-week scan, within minutes of having discovered the gender, the sonographer then goes on to essentially say, I need to bring you back here in two weeks to do another scan because I cannot get a good reading of your baby's heart. And at the time, it seemed as if it was positioned that, oh, he's lying in an awkward position in the womb and, you know, I can't get a good reading of it. So not really too much to or anything to worry about, but come back in a couple of weeks. So in the meantime, obviously, not thinking too much about that, aspect my wife and I left there full of joy telling the whole family that we're having a baby boy and lots of excitement and joy but when we went back two weeks later for that follow-up scan it became apparent quite quickly just my recollection by the look on the sonographer's face that something wasn't right and so she referred us to a bigger more specialized hospital to see a cardiologist because there was something with respect to our baby's heart that just was causing her concern. And so about a week following that, at which point our baby is about 23 weeks through the pregnancy term, we go to to see this cardiologist and he does a really exhaustive, more in-depth scan. And I will never, ever forget that day because that is the day that my life, mine and my wife's lives changed forever. He finished the scan and he took us into this side room and he said a sentence that to this day still sends a chill up my spine. He said, there's something going on with your baby's heart and it's major. It transpired that, and I will say at this point, that my wife's recollection of that day as it related to me, I was in a complete state of shock. 
I'm a very optimistic, glass half full kind of person. And leading into that day, I'd really wanted to believe that everything was going to be fine. The scan was just going to tell us, you've got a healthy baby, don't worry about it. But we then were deluged with information about how our baby boy had a trio of major heart abnormalities, which when you read literature from the British Heart Foundation that talks to this specific condition, this combination of these three heart defects can be almost impossible to treat. And so we were given options by this cardiologist. We were given the option to either end the pregnancy then, end the pregnancy now, continue with the pregnancy and run the risk that when he's born, we figure there's nothing we can do for him and he will die naturally because when he is born and leaves the womb, we can tell you now that he's not going to survive outside of the womb without medical intervention. And we're not going to know if medical intervention is going to be possible until we assess him when he's born. And if medical intervention is possible, and this was essentially option three, we're going to have to take your baby off you instantly, perform major open heart surgery on him multiple times in the early days and weeks of his life. And each of those operations, if they are possible, carry significant fatality risk to your baby. And there are all sorts of uh, complications that can go with it. Any compassionate person listening to this will, I'm sure, be able to fathom and imagine what we as loving and expecting parents who are with our first, expecting our first child, were going through. It was, goes without saying, it was traumatic. It was horrifying and it was just an emotional roller coaster, to say the very least. And not to mention the fact that when you reach that stage in your pregnancy, you have to act quickly because those options that I mentioned that we were given, we essentially had to make them within 24 or 40 hours. We poured over this and eventually came to the conclusion that we were to end the pregnancy. And so that is a decision that no parent ever wants to have to make, especially not in circumstances where you are desperate to have this child. You want this child to come into the world. And that is probably the hardest decision that I've ever had, we have ever had to make in our entire lives. And so Innes died on the 15th of February, 2023, and was born asleep on Saturday, the 18th of February, 2023. And the so I remember clearly that day being in the ward, uh, in the maternity ward with my wife, the hospital we went to treated us spectacularly well and created an environment in which we could bring Innes into the world, spend time with him, hold him in our arms and make memories with him. And I'm forever grateful for that. And amongst all the intense feelings and sadness and sorrow that I and we felt in those moments, some very powerful, positive feelings and thoughts came over me. And I knew then I had to pursue a new calling or a calling and a new purpose in life, which was in particular intended to take inspiration from our son's life, our, our son who we named Innes. And Innes in Irish Gaelic means island, in Scottish Gaelic is said to mean one choice. And so I look back and I think I had one choice, and I said this at Innes's funeral, is that my one choice is to forever honour his name, speak his name proudly, and to go after dreams and pursue things that 
have real meaning and purpose and to live through experiences that he simply didn't have the opportunity to live through and do things that would make him proud of me and do things that have the capacity and the potential to do things for the greater good, to bring inspiration and hope to other people. And so the idea came to me that day in that ward for what we are here now engaging with Golf Yourself Healthy. It was on that day that Golf Yourself Healthy was born. And there were kind of two reasons, I think, that idea came to me then. I think what I'll say before I go into those two themes is anyone that's been through grief of this nature or grief generally, the loss of a loved one and has experienced grief, will probably, this will probably resonate with you when I say that you get all of these, everything gets put into perspective and all of a sudden you have all these big grand ideas that are coming to you that you're going to learn this or you're going to do that. You just, it's a very disorientating time, but there are things that you want to do and that you want to go and, and, and do great things. And so I knew that I had to create something that had this capacity to help me heal, but then offer inspiration and hope to others, but something that aligns to my passions. And so golf and well-being are two subjects that matter a lot to me that I'm very passionate about. But then also I knew that upon leaving the hospital that day, I needed to get myself out to a golf course as soon as possible because the golf course is the place that I go to feel calm, to have time to reflect. And it's the place I go for the sake of my mental health in particular. And I knew that going there would really help me heal. I also do remember that day in the wards. Uh, so not only did I have this idea that came to my mind where, okay, I'm going to launch Golf Yourself Healthy. I have this idea and I will come on a bit later on to talking a bit more about Golf Yourself Healthy is what it's all about. I thought, I'm taking inspiration from Innes' life. I'm going to go and create Golf Yourself Healthy. It's going to be a community of like-minded golfers who believe that golf is good for you. It's great for your health and well-being. But then also that day, I remember my beloved Aberdeen Football Club were playing against Celtic away from home. And I thought, come on, Aberdeen. We've got a terrible record against Celtic. Today will be different. Do it for Innes. And that was very naive. I think back then, I think Innes, if he could speak to me, what he'd probably say is, Dad... It's one thing launching a golf well-being brand and a community in my name and in my inspiration, but it's quite another thing thinking that Aberdeen have got any chance to beat Celtic away from home. And he was right because they got beat 4-0 that day and uh, it taught me a thing or two about sort of uh, wishing too much upon the memory of your loved one, of your deceased loved one. So, so that was a stretch too far, but here we are now and Golf Yourself Healthy is not a stretch too far because as of now, as of today, as of this podcast episode, it's real and it's out there. And so moving on to saying a bit more about the birth, the creation, and now the launch of Golf Yourself Healthy, GYH, let's, let's call it that for short. So as I've already said, and at this point, my call to action to you, the listener, is if you haven't done so already, is go to golfyourselfhealthy.com and get yourself signed up. Uh, if you go to the contact tab and sign up your details there so that you can join our community, but also follow up, find us on, on Instagram and on X as well and, and join the, the community uh, as it grows. It's a community of like-minded golfers who believe that golf is good for you. Well, therefore, who is it for? Well, I very much believe there are going to be people out there listening to this who already love golf. They're converted to golf. And so I don't need to preach to anyone in that regard. 
But what I hope it gives to you, to them, is to help you see golf in a different light in a way that you may never have consciously thought about it before. And that is a healthy pursuit, something that is good for you. And so within, but then also, I hope that this can inspire a new generation of person to play golf, engage with the game. And let's remember, by the way, that golf traditionally is like a sport. It's a game played out in a golf course. There are multiple different ways you can play golf and engage with golf these days. And it doesn't just have to be out on a golf course, but we'll maybe explore that in a future podcast episode. But like I say, I hope this can inspire a new generation of golfer to be attracted into the game and get the same level of enjoyment from the game and the health and well-being benefits that I and so many other people get out of it. This point around health and well-being and why are we majoring on that as this kind of core theme within Golf Yourself Healthy? Well, you don't just have to take it from me. There is an ever-growing body of research, content, narrative about the health and well-being benefits of golf. The RNA, the Royal and Ancient, uh, the Royal and Ancient, one of golf's leading global governing bodies, published a golf and health report back in 2020, which sought to educate around the health benefits of golf, particularly physical and mental health benefits. It's an interesting read. And in addition to that, more recently, and in the winter 2023 edition of the PGA, the Professional Golfing Association's uh, Golf Business Quarterly publication, the whole edition was about golf and health and well-being. And their findings, I can tell you now because I have it here in front of me. So this piece from the very front page says the evidence is now consistent and growing. Golf offers well-being and relaxation benefits as well as the physical health benefits such as reducing type 2 diabetes, heart attacks and strokes. So then I thought, okay, if you consider the range of golf media out there and in particular golf podcasts, in my experience, the majority of golf podcasts major around tuition, how to become a better golfer in terms of your swing, your technique. There's a lot of tuition-based content, but then also there's a lot of content around professional golf. So in a general sense, people coming in and talking about the PGA Tour, Live Golf, what's going on with all the controversy there, people being talking about their love of Tiger Woods, of Rory McIlroy, of whichever professional golfer, talking about the professional game. As for health and well-being, well, I find that there are some out there that do touch or address the subject of health and well-being in the context of golf in a peripheral sense. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of content out there around psychology, sports psychology, and the mental side of the game. But what I find is there's generally not that much around specifically and explicitly around how this game is good for you. And so this podcast is going to, with episodes that are going to be released every two weeks, I'm going to be inviting guests to this podcast from various different golfing backgrounds, from different walks of life, hopefully a really diverse spread of people who are going to come and firstly, tell us about their experiences with golf. But in particular, they're going to share stories with us, talk to this idea that golf is a healthy and happy pursuit. And they're going to come and share their experience of how golf is helping them to be the 
happiest and healthiest version of themselves. And again, if I can give you a call to action, our listeners at this point, as you listen to this podcast episode and future episodes that come out, if you know of anyone out there that you've met or encountered on your golfing journey or travels who has an inspirational story to tell along the lines of what I've just described, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to know about that person. And I'd like to consider inviting those sorts of people to be guests on this podcast in the future. So I think I've said hopefully enough now around giving you a better sense of what Golf Yourself Healthy is about, what it's hoping to achieve. This podcast, this community can only really achieve its potential with an increased following. So I'm going to be putting as much effort as I can into engaging with you in the ways that I know how using you know, my social media channels. But like I say, the biggest uh, favor you can do me is by signing up on golfyourselfhealthy.com, going to the contact tab and signing up your details there so that I can add you to a mailing list that will allow you to be amongst the first to receive community newsletters, community communications, Golf Yourself Healthy journal articles, which I will be writing an accompanying article uh, to this episode that will go out hopefully on the Sunday, the 18th of February, 2024, when this episode is being released or very soon thereafter. So yeah, like I say, please head over and join the community so that we can grow this thing together. What you can expect next and the things that are going to come up. So following this release of this episode, like I say, on Sunday, the 18th of February, 2024, the next episode will go out exactly two weeks later, which by my calendar is Sunday, the 2nd of March. And what you can look forward to in that episode is a conversation that I have with a friend of mine, Ben, who Ben and I got to know each other through golf. We love and appreciate similar things about golf, but we also have this thing of golfing ourselves through grief in common, in particular, golfing ourselves through the grief of baby loss. And following that episode with Ben, and certainly for the first few episodes of Golf Yourself Healthy, the main theme we're going to be majoring on is this idea of golfing ourselves through grief. But it's important for me to say that I do not expect at this stage that this podcast is going to be just solely about talking about grief and golf together. I expect and I want that we cover a range of themes and issues and bring people onto this podcast who'll talk about how golf is helping them through some of the hardest challenges in their life. And like I say, it's helping them to live a happy and healthy life and to enjoy their golf. Until then, however, there is just one last thing for me to say, and that is to always embrace the rough and forever cherish the fairway.